Hello, everyone, and welcome back to 2020 Psych. I'm one of your hosts, Claire Kay, and I'm joined today by my father. I'm going to go ahead and let him introduce himself. My name is Dr. Hernandez. I'm an American double board certified psychiatrist. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to our latest episode where we brought awareness to Mental Health Month and shared mental health by the numbers. We hope that you enjoyed that episode. And this week, we want to continue the conversation and talk about domestic violence, a pretty heavy topic, but we feel it's important to shed some light. And I want to start off by saying that typically, I think what's associated with domestic, the first thoughts that are associated with domestic violence is physical abuse, but there's a lot more to it than that. And we want to shed some light on emotional abuse and other ways that domestic violence shows up in everyday life. So with that, Dad, I'd love to get your thoughts. As you know, because this is a a very difficult and challenging topic to to talk about, um, and it's important for us to share our thoughts because it's so common, unfortunately. It's sad to say that violence... um, Aggression at, in, in the home is something that is so commonplace. So therefore, it's important for us to discuss this and how it affects uh, families and society as a whole and the ways to, to go about it and, and try to get some help. What are some common themes that, occur, or what are, yeah, what are some common things that occur in abusive uh, relationship dynamics inside the home that aren't necessarily something that are popularized by media and that sort of thing? Well, abuse comes in many forms. Um, what we've learned in our inpatient setting in a psychiatric unit is that verbal aggression is the precursor for physical aggression. Likewise, in the home, um, there are many forms of uh, aggression that usually start with ways of insulting the partner, de- being demeaning, humiliating, threatening, uh, and unfortunately, this will usually lead to uh, physical assaults. Um, and when we think about aggression, we think about anger, we think about somebody being mean. And of course, we can all have different uh, a range of emotions in our lives, but when it's a pattern that's pervasive, that's intentional, that's targeted at someone, that's a form of abuse. And unfortunately, the numbers are staggering. And that, you know, the CDC will tell us that one out of four women will at some point would have been attacked, whether it be sexual, physical, or emotional. Um, and the numbers for men are not as common, but uh, you know, it's it's felt that 43 million women go through this a year in the United States and 38 million men suffer from some sort of aggression. So it's so commonplace that, uh, and the, the harm that results from this is, is, is widespread because it just doesn't affect the individual. It usually affects the family, uh, and it can be intergenerational as well. What are some warning signs or indicators that someone may be going through some 
some form of abuse at home? Well, sometimes if you meet the, the aggressor, he, he when I, and I say he because it's usually a male, may seem like a very uh, sort of a quote normal unquote person who doesn't have a whole lot of issues because on the surface he's pleasant or with others, uh, mild-mannered even. Uh, however, behind closed doors uh, towards his spouse or partner a uh, friend, a uh, girlfriend, uh, he may be totally different. And so uh, outsiders ha- sometimes will not even suspect that that the person who is a perpetrator could possibly be the way that he is. Um, and this person has, of course, issues of anger issues, anger management issues, control issues, and this will definitely play out in the way uh he treats his partner. So we know about domestic violence and domestic abuse in terms of partner relationships. I'm wondering now how domestic abuse plays out for perhaps, for instance, like parent dynamics, a parent-child dynamic. What types of form, what forms of abuse do children are more commonly suffering than people may think? Well, parents are usually seen as models, as guidelines, uh, or kids look to their parents for guidance. So when they witness, usually the father or the, the, the husband being verbally and physically abusive toward their mother, well, that der- Abuse may not be directly directed at them. It though still affects them, uh, and of course, um, that effect can be profound depending on the length and severity of the abuse that's been going on. Uh, kids and at the home need to have a safe haven, uh, a loving environment, a nurturing environment, and when they see their um, their mother getting mistreated. Uh, that, of course, is going to take a heavy toll on them. And because of the pandemic, have the numbers, and, you know, we had our whole episode last week about mental health by the numbers, but I'm wondering, because of the pandemic, have these numbers increased? And what has, yeah, I'm wondering just if the numbers have increased. The CDC tells us that during the pandemic, the episodes of abuse in families have increased. So yes, there is a definitely a definite increase in uh, domestic violence uh, dur- during these the last several years, related maybe brought on by the added stress of the pandemic, in addition to the pre-existing stressors or whatever was that co- that initiated this abuse to begin with. Uh, the the pandemic has has added another layer of stress that has made things worse. So what are the effects of prolonged exposure to being involved in abusive either relationships or abusive parent, parent dynamics? Um, what kind of happens to a person and how difficult is it to break out from these dynamics? I know at least 
from the relationship standpoint, I, I've heard that it's very common that it's difficult to um, kind of escape that type of abusive dynamic. Well, you're absolutely right. It's difficult because in many in many relationships, there's a dependency uh, on the aggressor, a financial dependency more so than anything else. And there's also threats from the aggressor if they leave, that something bad's going to happen to them or their kids. Um, the aggressors can be uh, stalking. They can uh, be monitoring uh emails, texts, uh, they can even uh, be monitoring the workplace, uh, being so intrusive that they make it very difficult to get away. Uh, so that's the stress that uh, many groups of uh, women, especially immigrants, that, and I know we, we talked about immigrants recently, but it's even more challenging for them because there's more barriers to care access to a safe haven is is really more difficult for them because of their limited knowledge of, of the resources that are available. So uh, when women are abused, they can become frightened, scared, and, and if they have limited resources, that even makes their anxiety and depression even worse. So what are some resources that women and victims of domestic violence have access to? As you know, there are, very, uh, there are various uh, hotlines that, that are just directly uh, for patients that are suffering from uh, domestic violence. But however, in the United States, as we all know, 988 is that number for emergencies. And unfortunately, the abuse can lead to um, eminent danger to self and others. So that's always the go-to line at, at this point, the 988. So uh, that's something that our audience and the public in general needs to be educated that there's always a, a recourse, uh, uh, there's always help, and that's the, that's your that can be your lifeline. What are some other common forms of abuse? There's also other forms such as financial abuse where um, the aggressor will garnish the person's uh, check or uh, income or uh, will not allow them to withdraw funds, will not let them spend money without them being controlled. And then again, even within a household, as, in, as we alluded to earlier, there's intergenerational abuse, um, especially through the elderly. So they... Uh, will get their funds stolen or they get also verbally abused, intimidated, neglected. Uh, so this is another form of abuse. Um, in addition to all this, uh, there's the control, uh, there's emotional, physical, uh, sexual. Uh, there's just a, 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 a wide array of types of aggression and abuse that, that people can go through. And like you said earlier, the biggest resource for people that may feel helpless is 988. And we encourage everyone to use that number if they feel that they are in emotional duress. And there are contingency plans that victims can make, uh, such as trying to notify someone who they can confide in uh, away from the aggressor um, 
trying to store money, trying to uh, save numbers uh, as, as a last resource, if you will, to try to escape uh, the aggressor. Um, if you're a victim, please try to reach out to uh, agencies that are dedicated to helping you. Uh, these are there are shelters. There are uh, different uh, governmental offices that can provide you with assistance. Uh, call the police if you have to. You don't have to feel trapped. You have to do what you can to get away, to uh, secure your safety and that of your children. So you the you have to get away from that toxic environment. You have to do whatever it is, whatever it takes to liberate yourself from whoever is causing you this uh, tremendous toll in your life and that of your kids. That's going to wrap up this week's episode of 2020 Psych. Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope that this was enlightening, shared some good information, and we hope you have a great day wherever you are.